does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors hotline right now. 18 tackles on Sunday. He was all over the field. Zaire Franklin joins us. Zaire, um, thank you for letting us know this on Monday, but it sounded like there was a present waiting for you at the team facility when you got into the building on Monday after your 18 tackle effort. Yes, yes, yes. The um, yeah, young aunt. Um Bless the whole team with the Apple headphones. Uh, so definitely shout out to Ant. Uh, appreciate it. Um, well needed. You know, a couple of different colors. A lot of guys was uh, fighting over those colors. Um, obviously, he uh, <laughs> created a little controversy, but but it's all love and all good. Uh, definitely appreciate Young Ant uh, for the for the gifts. Well, it was funny. I I probably should have been a little bit clearer in, in a gift. You know, I was a little tongue in cheek with that. It sounded like the NFL maybe wanted to uh, make sure that everything was uh, <laughs> in line with your performance on Sunday from the old uh, the old drug test that was waiting for you as well. Yeah, proudest drug test I guess I think I've ever taken in my in my life. Um, I took it as a compliment, um, but uh, I don't know if I want to continue to be complimented that way. So, <laughs> Zaire, when you look at your performance, and then obviously Shaq Leonard coming back, EJ Speed making some big plays, what do you think of the growth of this linebacker room since you've been here, and just the brotherhood that you all have created for yourselves? Uh, I mean, no, I feel like, you know, our room, just, you know, the energy and just the mentality that we bring, um, even, you know, with the young guys, uh, Grant, Shigou, and Cam, excuse me, coming along too as well. I mean, I just feel like, you know, just from a defensive standpoint, you know, we just make all the plays, you know, we hold ourselves to the highest standard. You know, I feel like when you've had the success in our room that we've had over the years, you know, our standard is the best, period. You know, and I feel like that's just something that we all, you know, take personal and we all, you know, do our part and, you know, bring it to the table um, from myself, Speed, and D. Leonard. So I watched the clip where you and DeForest Buckner broke down the most bizarre play I've seen since covering the NFL. Only been here for a year and change. But can you explain, because Gus Bradley were saying you are the person, you are the culprit in practice who annoys the offense because you never let a play actually end. And can you talk about that mentality and carrying it over to a game where it actually mattered? We might need the dump button, by the way, if Zaire is going to repeat the word that yeah, he yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean, clean. Uh, on Sunday post game. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, to be honest, you know, when I play, you know, I just I just want to play with, like, relentless mentality. You know what I mean? For, to me, it's all about finishing, um, you know, especially I know how, you know, playing for so long and seeing so many different plays look the ball you know usually get loose towards the end of the you know play when you know players relax and stuff like that so um for us it's all about finish that's all we preach um that you know that's just kind of the standard i hold myself to every single play every single day um so you know obviously just you know when the ball you know was dropped i was going to scoop the ball um you know and then just that being said I, we have that mentality out there that that's our ball so you know regardless whether it's a loose ball dead ball anything um when anytime we have opportunity to get the ball in our hands we're going to go for it so um, obviously Sam holding the ball um, I put a little extra sauce on it just because but at the end of the day um, 
you know, I was just, you know, not only just, you know, finishing and trying to be relentless on the field, but also just maintaining that mentality as a defense that first off, that's our ball. Our job is to take the ball away regardless. And two is just, you know, I know I feel like you just want to create that presence out there. You want to create that, that energy to offense know that like they understand who's running, who's running the show. They just out there. And again, uh, for those out there, maybe hold your tongue and say Apple. I, I believe that's what Zaire <laughs> called himself <laughs> on Sunday in, in reference to a little bit of post, well, I shouldn't say post whistle because the whistle hadn't blown, but a, a little bit of uh, emphasis on that. He is Zaire Franklin. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zaire, I often struggle with this, so I, I, I love your insight into like how you evaluate yourself individually in a game. Like I see 18 tackles, and that's eye-popping to me. I also feel like within those 18 tackles, I thought there were just some big-time plays you made in space and almost out on an island. Obviously, the the punching out of the ball. So when you break down your game, when you evaluate yourself, grade yourself after a game, what are like the things that you look for in saying, okay, that was a good game for me? Um, honestly, uh, for myself, it's just you know playing fast, and I could tell. Um, I'm trust. I feel like my biggest thing for me, and the thing that I I try to work on the most is just trusting myself. You know, trusting my instincts, trusting my preparation. Um, and I think I could always see that when I go back and watch a game and I watch performance that um, you know was very productive. Um, when I'm playing fast, when I'm trusting myself, when you know I see something and I just go, I'm not hesitating. And, um, and I feel like that's just when I get the best version of myself. You know, obviously, even within the 18 tackles, I still felt like you know it was a bunch of plays that I I wish I made. And you know, at the end of the day, it's about getting a win. So you just think about the plays that you could have had or the plays you could have did better that could have helped move this closer to our, our goal of winning a game. But um, you know, I mean, it was week one. It's definitely something to build on, and you know, just trying to really get that rolling and keep going in Houston this weekend. For a linebacker, is tackles like an accurate statistic? you think uh, in terms of like performance or can it be misleading well I think you know I think it's twofold I mean you know my first linebackers coach he used to always tell us um, you know a linebacker's job is to hit the ball every play and you know I feel like uh, tackles more times than not is a statistic about you know A whether you're around the ball and B just about hustle and finish because a lot of tackles you you see a lot of people get a lot of tackles just because of hustle you know whether that's you know behind the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage or 20 yards down the field so for me it's just like tackles is more of an uh, indication of how much you was around the ball um, but that being said you know the more tackles that you get the more likely that eventually two or three of them are TFL or you know one of them is a sack or even you know another forced fumble or something too so um, I mean I think it's definitely an uh, indicator for sure but I think we are judged by you know our ability to take the ball away and um, I was just you know happy that I got a chance to do that on Sunday. So you mentioned yesterday I thought this was interesting that you are nervous for every preseason opener every first contact of the season because <laughs> you put it like you know I gotta see if it still works <laughs> so when you have that mentality and you you know haven't had you know that major injury or you know Shaq for instance having the, the back surgeries and the, the concussion and things like that what is it like as a teammate to see him come back and you know as, as you and, and EJ kind of phrase it spin on, on the field man it's uh it's uh it's, it's it's emotional to be honest with you um you know just understanding everything that he went through all the battles that he had to fight and continues to fight um you know just to get back to to being the place that he loves um it's obviously a powerful situation um you know and a great moment for him and uh 
you know, I, like I tell them every day and, you know, I always let them out, know I'm out there with them, you know, and I got your back no matter what. You know, you ain't got to do us alone and you're not out here alone. And, uh, you know, just continually just trying to pour into them and, you know, just like I said, let them know that we all out here together because, you know, our defense is rolling. You know, we get him, you know, get him with that confidence and that swag and that maniac all the way back, man. It's, uh, it's going to be a top defense for sure. So I know you all take the game serious. That's obvious. But there is a bit of comedic relief, I feel, in the locker room because I think your group and probably the DBs are the loudest, the funniest, always cracking jokes. I wake up at 2 a.m. hearing Tony Brown's voice. (laughs) Uh, I feel bad for you for that. (laughs) So what is it like with you, EJ, who I think is hilarious, you know, Shaq having his, you know, moments, just just kind of bonding in that way and sort of providing that throughout a long season? Man, it's necessary. I mean, because first and foremost, if you can't make fun of each other and yourself, I mean, it's going to be a long season. I mean, that's first and foremost. But, man, you when you got guys who've uh, just played in, in so many different type of games, who've won and lost so many different ways, like myself, Kenny, uh, Speed, D. Leonard, Buck, Grove, I mean, at a certain point, it just you got to just laugh at some time. But I feel like that's just a, a example of just kind of like the type of energy that we have this year, you know, on this team. I mean, obviously we're a very young team, a lot of young guys in there. But, you know, I feel like the young guys, they bring that good energy. They hungry, they humble, um, and they just don't take it too serious. I feel like once you start taking it too serious, you got to remember what they say, it's a kid's game for a king's ransom. So at the end of the day, we out here living our life, um, proud and blessed to be amongst a, a great group of men, you know, trying to achieve a goal. So, like, at the end of the day, you know, we just got to be able to enjoy this time, embrace these moments because, you know, some, you know, it ain't going to last forever. So we just be out here trying to have fun, man, just trying to enjoy each other and at the same time hold each other accountable. Sire, last one. Appreciate your time here on this Thursday morning. Gus Bradley had an interesting comment, I thought, on Tuesday in in describing you and and your role within the defense. He said kind of in year one, um, he felt like you were running the defense, and now here in year two, he feels like you own the defense. How would you describe you owning this defense? Man, um, you know, first of all, that's a great quote from uh, Coach, but um, I definitely feel like, you know, this year coming in, it's just, man, it's just is the power that, you know, a year makes um, is is amazing. Um, just coming in, just the amount of comfortability that I have, especially compared to last year this time. Um, and, you know, I'm a student of the game. You know, I study, you know, uh, Gus and his history. Uh, I study how other teams are attacking us, and I study myself a lot as well. So, and I feel like you could just feel that confidence coming out. It's just, you know, like I said, going through so many different situations last year um, and having that season under our belt, it was just a lot of growth, you know. Um, and I feel like it's not only just for myself, but for a lot of guys on this defense, you know, uh, the steps that Buck is making or and Grove and even Quiddy, you know, those guys. Um, and Kenny as well, just just being that second year in the system, not having to learn so much, and you can focus less on yourself and more on what the other team is doing, just gives you so many more steps ahead. But, you know, I definitely feel that growth coming. Um, I feel it, you know, even in OTAs, just in my comfortability, me and Gus's relationship, we have a great line of communication of when he needs to get something from me and I need to get something from him or for the guys. So 
um, you know, I just trying to continue that growth and, you know, just lead by example and continue to be the guy that this defense needs. When the drug test is waiting for you, it's probably <laughs> a good thing. Well, that's crazy. And that means you had a hell of a performance, and that's exactly what Zaire Franklin did on Sunday. Zaire, uh, great work in week one. Um, I know the win is something that you certainly have on your mind here in week two. Safe travels down to Houston, and uh, good luck, man. Thanks for the time. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me. That is Zaire Franklin on the Payless Liquors Hotline. James, always enjoy our conversations with him. I think something that also stands out to me about his career, you know, he signed that contract extension last, whatever it was, January, February, March, you know, when Gus Bradley got hired. And so a new coaching staff, you're curious what the role's going to be. He has signed that extension and his play has ascended since then you know sometimes you see guys especially guys that are day three picks like he was seventh round pick where it's all about getting to the second contract and you hear so much of that he got to the second contract and his play is gone up and that to me is pretty impressive and it's a huge credit to I think how he's wired I think you feel that when you talk with them I think you see it in his play and um, he is certainly a player that's been really, really key at an important time considering Shaquille Leonard's injuries uh, over the last couple of years. I also think it seeks to his talent level because being a seventh-round pick, maybe he was overlooked because of his stature, not being the biggest guy, or not having all of the measurables. But he has a tremendous amount of talent that he's worked and I think refined to maximize. And so you're seeing that throughout some of these games. And obviously I did a huge story on Zaire. We had a lot of talks about how he was raised, his mentality. And one of the things I respect about him is his ability to work towards something without seeing it clearly first. And by that, I mean, coming from the environment he grew up in, North Philly, raised by his grandma and mom, who both passed away when he was in high school, he didn't know he would be here, Mm -hmm. you know, a few years later or, you know, a decade later, whatever the case may be. Yeah, this wasn't spoon-fed for him. Exactly. If somebody told you, if somebody tells you, Kevin, hey, if you do X, Y, Z, I'll give you this, you know, bag of money at the end, you'll do it. But if you can work towards something without a guarantee at the end, I think that really defines your character. And so he was willing to put everything on the line, bet on himself, without a guarantee of it ever working out. He just knew he couldn't give up or, like, you know, go to sleep at night without trying and he tries hard and he works hard. And so I think that's really cool. And it's, it's an awesome lesson, honestly, because I think that, you know, the tryhards, you know, after high school are the ones that usually succeed. And, that, and that, that's the big thing for him. You know, we've talked a lot about Chris Ballard and roster building and, and, you know, okay, six, seven years into this, you know, where have the issues been? There is no debating Chris Ballard's drafting of linebackers. He has absolutely knocked that out of the park. Oh, and yes. this goes back to fifth round Anthony Walker in his first draft. It goes back to certainly Bobby O'Karake had a really nice run. But, you know, when you think about Franklin as a seventh round pick, you think about EJ Speed as a fifth rounder. I mean, obviously Shaq has well exceeded even second (laughs) round um, sort of draft production Uh, they've really really overhauled and changed what a linebacker looks like it's a very modern looking position now for the Colts it's not like the the thumpers if you will (laughs) and, and not necessarily that and Again, I thought Zaire, the 18 tackles, certainly that stands out to you, James, but I thought he made some plays that just were like, whoa, was that 44? You know, like just a a few more of those kind of flash plays that 
um, I think is an indicator that maybe there is more with his game, and that's a huge credit to him. Yeah, I believe the first play of the game for Jacksonville was a pass breakup by Zaire across the middle. And as we saw, some of the windows that Trevor Lawrence was putting the ball into were elite. And so if you get a PBU on a guy like that, a pass breakup on a guy like that, it speaks to you know your knowledge of the game, and he also talks about studying it. You know the film review, all the boring stuff that we don't see. He you know embraces that. And one thing that actually was fascinating to me about what we talked to the guys about yesterday in the locker room was he is not the only one like that. And young Anthony Richardson, according to Ryan Kelly, basically lives there, you know, in the facility and and won't go home. And so you know you'd like to hear those things about your young young rookie quarterback who's you know building his habits off of the guys that are already in there and I think the Colts have a lot of high character guys you look at Zaire you look at um, you know DeForest Buck and you look at some other guys uh, something that I want to get into in the eight o'clock hour is again Sunday for Anthony Richardson and maybe a little bit of circling of the calendar considering who the opposing quarterback is coming up and you know he had a little bit of that last season in September and it didn't go very well to be frank and that's something that I know, James, you and I have heard from Anthony, and, and that's something I think we should share coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour. Um, again, John McClain going to join us a little bit later in the show. You hear him on these airwaves. Anytime the Texans and the Colts match up, that is the game coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. Um, I want to get back into the Anthony Richardson audio from yesterday. Mark, if you could cue that up. you know, I did have a question entering yesterday, James, on would we see Anthony Richardson pop up on the injury report at all? Just because you know there was a knee bruise from Sunday, there was an ankle soreness that he woke up with on Monday. He did not show up on the injury report, um, but this is a guy that certainly felt <laughs> his first NFL game. Here is Anthony Richardson yesterday on how he felt Monday morning after his first NFL game. You know, I was a little sore. I, I woke up with uh, some feelings that I never felt before. You know, but uh, some of the events just like welcome to the league. Rook. You know, that's that's how it's going to be. But you know, just getting in the training room early, taking care of my body. That's that's the main part. <laughs> you know, James, um, I appreciate the honesty from Anthony. Uh, I remember <laughs> leaning over to Mike Chappell at one point during the game and thinking, man, uh, these are some NFL, this is some NFL speed and NFL hits that's just different. You know, I don't think guys are getting too many clean, clean shots on Anthony Richardson in college. And if they are, they don't look like Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker. Um, I mean, obviously these are grown, grown men at this level. And, I'm curious, looking ahead to Sunday, two things. One, do we see any change in his style of play? I don't think you're going to see too much of that, but when you do get opportunities, and I don't know how many of these he had, to be honest with you, James, but when you do get opportunities to make plays in the open field, do you step out of bounds? Do you slide a little bit? You know, it's more of be Trevor Lawrence, not Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen to me takes way too many unnecessary hits. I thought Trevor Lawrence at times when he ran on Sunday, he did a really nice job of just sliding. And, you know, maybe you do whatever, two, three yards short of what you could get. But when it's a random first and 10 or second and four, just live to see another down. And then secondly, if as expected, Zach Moss is the guy on Sunday, does that all of a sudden alleviate what Anthony thinks he needs to do as a runner? Because how could he have not? As the game went along on Sunday, thought to himself, damn, man, our running backs stink. Like, I mean, we are getting nothing from a running back standpoint. I've got to keep it more. I've got to do my part in trying to help out the run game. Does Zach Moss, who the last time we saw him, for what it's worth, he did have a career high over over 100 yards, does his presence just make your running back 
production competent, and therefore Anthony Richardson doesn't feel the need to do everything that he felt like he had to do in week one. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but it's a thought I have. I'm smiling because... As soon as I saw you smile, I'm like, damn, James thinks it's the dumbest thing. No, it's not that. It's that you mentioned that he had the 100-yard game, and I was like, that's not what we remember from that game, (laughs) you know, from last season. Yeah, that was not on anyone's mind. 100 yards against Houston. Yeah, I'm thinking I can't remember writing about that. That was not the story after that season. Well, not season-ending loss, but just that season-concluding loss last season. But I will say this. I agree that Zach Moss will alleviate some of the pressure. Some of the advanced numbers support that. He is a pretty good first and second down run or someone who can you know generate a few more yards after contact than say Deion Jackson or Evan Hull who's out for four weeks you know with on IR but I do think the, the play calling and some of the things that Anthony Richardson will be exposed to will be a little bit different and it, maybe the playbook gets a little bit more expanded you will see how Houston is playing it though I expect them to do what most teams do and what they probably will do throughout the season is play the high cover to force Anthony Richardson to beat him underneath but I do think that there was a time in the season opener where he felt like I got to do everything and I got to be Superman and I go back to when he was at the combine and he wore that remember Kevin he wore that tight red shirt it was like skin tight to come yeah. talk to us I literally thought he was a Pacers power forward yeah. <laughs> when when I first saw him and so I remember thinking, wow, that's a great marketing tactic to tell everyone how big and, and fast you are because everyone else had on regular T-shirts, and here he is looking like you know, all he needs is an S on his chest. But again, he is not going to fly his way into the end zone. And most of the time, he's not going to be able to just do something incredible every single play to get to the end zone. This is not, you know, Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl. So he's going to have to <laughs> look at you turning back the clock. Yeah, I mean, I played it. You know, how once old are or twice. you again? Twenty-seven. But it's, it's a classic. I feel like it's a rite of passage if you're a sports guy growing up or a video game guy growing up. I don't know if my god kids will ever touch that sort of system. But all of that in mind, I think that uh, Anthony Richardson is learning on the fly, and I'm sure there's been plenty of conversations. To that to hey man protect yourself because it is a long season and it'll be the longest season that you ever had in your career and what will it take i think for that to really resonate like waking up on monday feeling like you like you did i I don't think trevor lawrence's post-game comments necessarily will be the one that you know oh yeah i i I need to totally change and it's a fine balance man because what makes josh allen great what made andrew luck great what makes anthony richardson potentially really really good is the threat of extension and the threat of doing something um with his legs and so i i do think it's a fine balance um how he handles them oh i agree but i think that you ask about what's going to be the wake-up call it should have been when you're on the ground holding your knee in your home stadium and 65,000 fans are holding their breath thinking that their season might be over because you're down on the ground. That was scary. I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, my mm-hmm. day just changed. Literally, that's, that was my thought. I'm like, oh boy, there goes everything I've written so and far. So when he got up, I was like, all right, like, you know, that's a little bit of kryptonite for Superman, right. but again. And Shane Second did say he could have gone back in the game. Right. And Anthony, you know, even the actions of it, I know you and I were both binoculars out looking down on the sideline during that moment of like okay how much medical attention is he getting at this point those sorts of things and it did look like you know it's not like he went straight to the bench or straight to the blue tent or anything like that Um, again Zach Moss was a full participant in practice yesterday towards the end of last season behind this same offensive line personnel wise he had some nice performances we probably should point out though it's a much different run game than last season Um, and you know as you pointed out, James, you know, Moss is a first and second down guy. I mean, he is a 
five nine power bat. I've always said like he's got some tree trunks for for legs. Um, so I think third down, you're still going to rotate in. I, I guess Deion Jackson would be in that role there uh, as we look ahead to Sunday. All right, coming up in the eight o'clock hour, a couple things that we want to get to. I thought there was some interesting reaction from our listening audience and Michael Lombardi's comments when he popped on the <laughs> show yesterday. He was strong to say the least in his thoughts on the Jonathan Taylor situation, and probably fair to say he is very pro-team in this debate. So, yes, as a former GM, (laughs) I guess it's not the most shocking thing in the world, but in all honesty, I thought some interesting points that he brought up. So I want to get back to that. And again, for Sunday and Anthony Richardson, I think this one is one he thinks about a whole lot. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, if you missed it earlier, we're going to re-rack that Zaire Franklin interview coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. He was outstanding with us earlier. We'll get a Texans point of view coming up with John McClain. Long time. Uh, think of the Mike Chapel of Houston. Always enjoy John McClain's extreme candor. John McClain and Paul the Mailman, both of them, great energy. Great candor as well. You were a fan of Paul's energy, weren't you, James? Absolutely. I love it. I told you I grew up like that. We argue in our house about sports all the time. My favorite thing to do, KB, when I go home is to walk into a room full of Chicago fans, Bulls, MJ fans, tell them LeBron James is the GOAT, which I don't even believe, but I just say it, and I see the room swell with energy, and they start arguing back and forth about who did what, and I just say something outlandish like, you know, MJ played against plumbers, which he didn't, but they get all mad, and I walk out the room, and they're still yelling, and I'm like going to get something to eat and talk to my grandma, and life is good. Mark, what do you say about Paul? He delivers the mail with a hot take. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's your bill. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, about Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> <laughs> Justin has been hanging in there with us. He had a Jonathan Taylor related thought. Justin, good Thursday morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? We are doing great, man. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well, man. Love the show. Love y'all work, James. And uh, Mark, that collage video you did when Jake left. Hey, that was hilarious. Been listening to y'all ever since. <laughs> that was so good by, by Mark. Uh, Thank you. What's on your mind, Justin? Yeah, so... Um, I would hate to say that I'm kind of in between both, uh, just mainly because how the organization has been ran under Chris Ballard and with the situation uh, with Taylor not being offered anything. Uh, We have to remember that that conversation probably started with no contract. But the issue I have with Chris Ballard saying the four wins, what about no division titles, one playoff, 
um, and those things. And he got an extension. Frank Wright got an extension. It's a great point. Um, and also, I, I believe we're also paying Matt Ryan to sit and talk on TV. And I would also believe that Frank Wright is still getting paid, if I'm not mistaken. So it's those things to me where if you have the best player that's important to your team, not to the rest of the NFL, not a Saquon Barkley, um, not the 49ers running back, but the guy that's important to your team, I think is worth that conversation to let him know that, yes, it's not the four wins. And, yes, those four wins are not just your fault. Offensive line, bad quarterback play, and all of those other things. But I think Chris Ballard needs to be more on the hook for getting an extension with his bad GM parts as well. Justin, terrific. Call more often. Uh, I thought that was something I really haven't heard in regards to this situation, James, and it probably adds to Taylor's frustration of, again, there is past precedent in this organization where, and in Justin's case, the head coach and the GM um, earning extensions where their resume would fall in, what, the middle to back half of the NFL? I'm trying to think. That was right before the 2021 season. Um, In Ballard's case, obviously, you still haven't won a division title. Um, You had won one playoff game up to that point. I think when you see head coach GM extensions, they typically are, you know, whatever. Cincinnati's made their runs recently, and they've gotten it. Or, you know, the Kansas City, you know, Philadelphia regime. I even think maybe Tennessee got one when Mike Vrabel and them were the number one overall seed in the AFC. Again, these are things the Colts haven't sniffed. Um, So I think that's what adds to it. It's that um, you have set this precedent as an organization where guys that have not met the level of play that Taylor has met, or in Justin's case, Reich and Ballard, that, I think, is what really, really frustrates Taylor. Yeah, and I think that the four wins comment toward the end of that press conference was one that probably stings a little bit for JT because he's probably feeling like, hey, I went out there and played the 11 games that I did when I was hurt. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, 100%, but I went out there and did that for you all because I cared about my team that much. And then I turn around this offseason, you're telling me you're not going to offer me anything. And I get it. The Colts could always come back a year from now and say, you know, hey, here's the money you've been asking for. But I believe you or someone else asked, hey, is the franchise tag off the table? Did you did you discuss that? And Chris Ballard was like, you know, he, he in one hand he said, we, did, we haven't used it. On the other hand, he said it's a tool. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, in, in today's NFL, from a, in a vacuum, it is smart to use the franchise tag on a running back, on a star running back. It is smart to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you have one that's so dug in as this one, I don't know how you get through it where it's um, a working relationship because right now it's not. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the, the franchise tag point. As we know, Organizationally, they haven't used it since McAfee in 2013. He was pissed when when he got it from from Grigson. So imagine how JT would be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, the counter to that would be it's collectively bargained. Sorry about you, Jonathan I agree. Taylor. Yes, you know? I'm glad and, he pointed that and, out too. Yes, and that's Josh Jacobs and what Saquon Barkley yep. are dealing with right now. My hesitancy with the franchise tag is this, James. We have to, I think, acknowledge how the Colts have spent. The Colts have not. They have spent in a very frugal manner. And if you are throwing the franchise tag on him and that franchise tag starts to rise, wouldn't that lead to more hesitancy in spending? That's where my concern comes into this. And this gets back to the Luke Rhodes thing. And I know like it's a long snapper at the end of the day. 
But and again, I don't know this, but it's a thought that I have: is the amount of money they're they're paying Matt Gay at kicker, or paying Luke Rhodes at long snapper, or insert some of the other uh, amounts of money that they're that they're paying guys at other positions. Does that get the Colts in a room and create pause about paying other guys or being active in free agency? Because if that is creating pause, then that is the issue that I would have in that case of. Yeah, man. You know, we were allocating all this money over here, and you know, we're, we're, we're investing in a kicker, and we're investing that money in, a, in an off-ball linebacker. We can't go spend on that wideout. We can't go for that veteran yeah. tight end. If that Lord. is the case, and again, if you do the franchise tag, that's going to rise. I've said all along, front load the Taylor deal while you have this cap space now. So then you get to the back end of this Taylor supposedly multi-year extension, and you aren't in as big of a financial crunch, if you will. Uh, that's kind of how I view it. I hope that makes sense, but that's how I look at the whole franchise tag debate and if that would create more hesitancy in spending because it's not like the Colts have needed a whole lot of hesitancy in spending. They've just done that throughout the Ballard era. I agree, but I also think that it could be their way of saying, can this guy come back and be who he once was? Can so you, you think it's him? more of a physical debate? It could be. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how hurt. No one knows how hurt he is, but Jonathan Taylor. And I think what's interesting about the conversation we've had about his ankle is it's it's nothing about a procedure going wrong or a rehab going wrong. We've asked, has he re-aggravated anything? No one said anything on that front. The term that was used is pain. And the only person who can determine how much pain you're in is you. So much gray area with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can come, I can come in and say anything. Oh, I'm in pain. I can go to the doctor right now and say, hey, I got, I'm in pain. They're going to ask me what, like, how, what, like, you cannot define that definitively. So I think that gray area that you alluded to has allowed this to kind of carry on and be this cloud over the team. But at some point, rubber is going to meet the road. And as contentious as we think this has been, it's going to become more of that if, again, you have a player who you at some point, might think it's healthy and he's like I'm just not going to play but I still want my money and so I think that's going to be a whole different you know conversation that could arise um, by week five so we'll see but I thought Justin's point was great about you know hey Chris Ballard's been rewarded the, the but the, but then also that is sometimes how things go you know what I mean? Like, the the owner decides if the GM gets an extension. The owner decides if a coach gets an extension. Which is frustrating to Taylor, because Taylor would say, my resume says that I have the best yards per carry that any running back in the NFL has had through three seasons. And the GM's resume says, I haven't won a division title and I've won one playoff game in six years, yet he's the one extended through 2026, and Taylor's the one that is in a lame duck. And I hear all of that, and you say, hey, tough. Yep. Can't say, can't say that word on air, but... That's what it is. That's the reality of being a player in the NFL. And, and and I talked about it yesterday, you and Mark. It helps when your boss likes you. So if Jim Irsay, for whatever reason, liked Chris Ballard enough to extend him, that's between him and Chris Ballard. Your situation, you shouldn't compare it to that. Now, you can. I know I thought I probably would if I was in his shoes. I'll feel the same way. 
but there has to be some sort of look in the mirror moment where you realize your position is just not theirs and as unfair as it might be it's reality and as Chris Ballard alluded to, a lot of this has been collectively bargained. Your players' union agreed to this, and we've talked about this. Um, I believe I talked about this with Jimmy Cook a few weeks ago on here on the Midday Show, or what is it, Curian Company now, I'm sorry. It's, it's to a point where I feel like of all the player associations, the NFL mops the floor, the owners mops the floor with their players' association more than any other league in America. Yeah, and that's the Michael Lombardi point, I guess, from from yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there's no way that the owner give that power up. We actually to kind of pivot to it on a tangent. We saw that with some of the turf versus grass debates. Now we've had serious discussions about okay, how feasible is it in certain climates, certain areas. But in theory, there are more teams out there, more facilities out there that should have turf. I'm not, I'm not saying not, not should have turf, should have grass to protect their players. And you know, the owners won't do it because they don't have to. They don't, they're, they're never going to volunteer to do those things. So it is what it is. On the other side, I do want to get to Anthony Richardson and Sunday for him and why this one I think means a little bit more and, and kind of throw that back at uh, what he faced in college in a Week 2 game last season, how he reacted to that. Uh, and then coming up at 9 o'clock hours, I have Franklin and John McClain. We'll get a Texans point of view on the opponent coming up on Sunday. James Boyd with us. I'm Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton. As always, it's a wake-up call with KB and Andy here on 93.5. 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We got the Queen bringing us back here from Mark Dykes. She's native, Beyonce. Knows. I was going to say. The USA Today has a job. The Beyonce Covers Reporter. Covers Beyonce, and it's right? Remote. So you could just be anywhere in the country. There's a Taylor Swift one also. They're yeah. going for the big fan bases. So you got the Queen of Beyonce. I'd call our next guest the King. He is the one and only John McClain, one of our favorites. Think of the Mike Chapel of Houston. He joins us now. John, always good to hear your voice. How are things? Things are great. Mike might be insulted by that, but uh, I would be honored <laughs> to be in the same sentence with Mike, who I've known for decades. Who's more handsome? Oh, it's uh, a tie. Mike is by far. That's you got to take a dig at him. The NFL has been one of the most and some media people in history. <laughs> <laughs> John McLean's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. John, we always appreciate your candor with us. The Houston Texans, the expectations this year are what? Uh, they last year, of course, were 313 and one, had a victory over the Colts and then a the tie with the Colts this year. I picked them to go six and 11 in Domenico Ryan's his first season. They have some really good young talent on this team, starting with C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson Jr., Derek Stingley Jr., Jalen Petrie. And they need another year, another offseason with a draft and uh, free agency when they should have like $100 million to, available to spend. Nick Casario, the GM, who's in his third year of this rebuild, he has not been in a position yet to sign any expensive free agents. He has not given a contract to a free agent of more than two years 
except for one, their punter, Cam Johnston, who won't play because he's on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. So I think next year we'll see what happens this season under D'Amico Ryan's. People are really fired up because he wanted to come here and come back to Houston. And so he has ignited the fan base, the media, the former players. Everybody is behind D'Amico Ryan's. But they're very realistic. They know it's not a playoff team. They know they're going to battle the Colts, maybe the Titans, for second and last place because the Jaguars may run away with the division. But people have hope. They didn't have hope. Uh, the last time they had hope was after the 2019 season, after they'd beaten Buffalo in the playoffs and blown a 24-0 lead at Kansas City in the divisional round. John, you talked a lot about hope there, and obviously I would think the biggest hope outside of D'Amico Ryan as the coach is C.J. Stroud. What have you seen from him and how he's handled being the face of of a franchise and hopefully someone that I think that this team, this city, would really enjoy having for a very long time and play at a high level? Uh, People here like him a lot. He's been One thing I like, he's been a very good interview. Davis Mills, who started most of the last two seasons, was a real is a really nice guy. He's the backup, but man, he would do everything he could to be boring when he talked to us. He's <laughs> proud. It's uh, uh, there's a lot more energy when it comes to meeting with the media. And one of the things that's been impressive, we all knew he was going to start. You know, D'Amico Ryan's. We call it a sham. He claimed it was competition. He waited <laughs> to, to name him as the starter before the season began, even though he started all three preseason games. But Stroud has to get rid of the ball quick. They are I've never seen a team have the injuries in the offensive line they do first at this point, this early in the season. They lost their starting center for the year in camp, lost their starting left guard for the year in camp. Their right tackle, Titus Howard, short-term IR, the new center, a rookie. He's on short-term IR. They had their new right tackle who wasn't on the roster when camp began. He had to leave the game Sunday. They had to use a right tackle who never played tackle. He got obliterated in the only strip sack that what uh, Stroud never had a chance. So he has to get rid of the ball fast for a reason. He didn't have an interception, didn't have a touchdown pass, let him on three field goal drives, but he's he's very accurate. And that's one thing they like. They throw the ball to the sidelines a lot. I would imagine the Colts' corners are watching that. We'll do what the Ravens' corners tried to did, break on the ball and get a pick six, but the ball got to the receiver before the corner could get his hands on it. So it's going to be so much fun to watch Stroud and Richardson two times this season in the first of what we think will be many on my station's website, sportsradio610.com, is Texans flagship. I have a column today about Stroud talking about how much he likes Richardson, going back, known him since high school, followed him at Florida. He called, it's funny, he doesn't, calls him Ant. Yeah. He said, Ant's a dog. <laughs> Ant's my man. And I love that dude. And every day except Sunday. And so they have a really good relationship. So if you think about these two teams, got a lot of good young players, but, man, it's going to be fun to watch the quarterbacks. John, you talked about it there. Anthony here is called Ant by some of the team. 
mates and, and some of his people who know him from childhood. But you mentioned that offensive line. Is there anyone left in Houston to block for C.J. Stroud? Because you listed off so many guys that are, you know, got dinged up or are either out right now or have been out. Is there someone who is going to protect that young man? The left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, is their best player. And uh, he missed practice yesterday. He's questionable with something. I forgot what it is, but he'll play. They traded with Tampa Bay to bring in Shaq Mason, right guard. And Shaq Mason was not good in pass protection. He's got to play better. And so they've, they've got a lot of issues. Colts, Colts defensive line has pulverized the Texans' offensive line for several years. And Chris Strasser, who came here from the Colts, you know, I know he didn't sign up to this. He's not going to say anything publicly and complain. But they thought they had their five starters in place. Tonsil last year, 15th overall pick, Kenyon Green, the left guard, second-round pick this year, Juice Scruggs, center Mason, and right tackle Titus Howard. He signed an extension in camp and then broke – suffered a broken hand the first week in camp, and he's on IR. But, you know, injuries happen. And Strasser went through that last year, so now he's here. He has got his hands full. He knows that Colts defense as well as anybody from going against him in practice and everything. But, you know, even even a blind person could see what great success the Colts defensive line has had against the Texans' offense. Yeah, that was a big advantage for the Colts in Week 1 against Jacksonville. Certainly will be something that they'll try to duplicate in Week 2. Again, the one and only John McClain joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. longtime cover in Houston, uh, sportsradio610.com. John, I feel like, and I'm hoping you could just kind of clarify, I feel like D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud were kind of always the odds-on favorite to be in their respective positions with the Texans, obviously head coach and quarterback, but was there ever any interest or any chatter at all in Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson, basically what the Colts have, you know, Richardson taking two spots after Stroud? There was Steichen, and they liked Steichen a lot. You know, what he did with Jalen Hurts, the Houstonian with the Eagles, was remarkable. Uh, concluding with the Super Bowl last year. They liked him two years ago, and they liked him last year. But once D'Amico Ryans told him this would be his dream job, and he played here six years, defensive rookie of the year, went to the Pro Bowl. He finished his four years in Philadelphia, but he met his wife here. The kids were born here. They got married here. They were building their dream house here. They started a home for wayward boys during the pandemic here, so he called it home. And so... When he was hired at his news conference, he was very inspiring. He got fans, media, former players fired up. And I said, how come you weren't this good when you played here? And he said, well, I was, I was more deliberate then. And I've, I've grown since then. And, and he has been very inspirational. They interviewed Sean Payton. And Denver uh, made a really serious run at Ryan's. Ian Rappaport had a story. Even after they settled on Peyton, they made one more run at Ryan's through his agent, Jimmy Sexton. And then it was quickly disputed by the Broncos, but it was true. And a lot of people had have held him in high regard, as they did Steichen. So we're all talking about C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson being rookies, going against each other a lot. And they'll probably be going each other a lot more than Steichen and Ryan's because, you know, they're destined at some point to get fired. But watching these two rookie coaches, 
One was a great coordinator. One was offensive. One was great defensive coordinator. That's going to be a lot of fun, too. And John McClain is with us here. John, last one from me. We've talked about the offensive line, the issues there. I know you've mentioned Will Anderson Jr. Would you say that that end duo, him and Jonathan Greener, would you say that maybe is uh, where the Texans' kind of strength lies or or that could be um, uh, something the Colts need to watch out for? And Jerry Hughes, too. Jerry came home to Houston last season at 34, led the team in sacks. Now he comes off the bench in the rotation. Anderson was great in the first game, like people thought he would. I'll guarantee you the game plan of the Colts is a lot about Anderson. And he and Grenard and Hughes did a really good job of setting the edge and keeping Lamar Jackson from hurting him outside. They limited him to 38 yards. And he had to run between the tackles. And, of course, Richardson's more physical runner. I think we all agree they'll be the leading. He'll be the leading rusher. And it's going to be fun to watch him, but they've got to keep him from getting outside when it breaks down. And uh, they may not have both safeties. Jimmy Ward has a hip injury. Jalen Petrie has a bruised lung. They have two veteran backups. But they did a good job of pressuring Jackson, so maybe they can do the same. Although, you know, the Ravens have a good offensive line, but it's struggled and had some injuries in that game. And the Colts, as long as they're healthy, you guys know they got a good offensive line, too. Again, John McClain, the one and only, an absolute legend in Houston. Always enjoy our conversations. I guess the next one probably be put on hold until the season finale here in Indianapolis. John, great to hear all as well. Uh, always enjoy hearing your voice, and thanks for making time for us. Guys, it's my pleasure. Anytime, good luck to the Colts this season.